Episode 163 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting podcast network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of talking Knicks, talking NBA as the offseason rolls on. Hope you're having a good week. Hope you've had a nice stretch to start off the month of August. We're getting closer. We're getting closer to the start of next season. Still got a little ways to go. Plenty of shoes to drop during this offseason. We will talk about the further developments in the Knicks' pursuit of Donovan Mitchell this week on the podcast. We'll touch a little bit on Bill Russell again to start off the show. And why Lynn's sanity is popping up again in the news. We'll revisit it later on in the show. Let's start with last week's show. First of all, another big thank you to all of you out there. I I thought the show's reception was great. A lot of people tended to enjoy the conversation last week. uh, We went off topic from... You know, what was a slow news week uh, as far as movement in the NBA. And we talked about Bill Russell. We talked about uh, Vin Scully. You know, we talked about Brittany Griner and her situation last week. And once again, you know, my faith in you guys, and I'd like to think your faith in me, uh, was rewarded. And you guys seemed to enjoy the... Um, the changing of pace, you know, and and it's been a really cool thing that I've enjoyed about this podcast. So big thank you to you all again for that. Um, I'm going to try my best, you know, depends on the topics, you know, that we have the next few weeks. Cause again, as you all know, and I know some of you are frustrated when we don't always just talk about, you know, off season stuff, even when nothing's happening. Um, it's nice to have that change of pace to talk about something else sometimes. Because again, with all due respect to the NBA offseason, there are some lulls in it, and we are in a big lull. Not a lot is happening. But to be fair, like big shoes are being ready to be dropped here. We're still waiting on the shoe to drop with Donovan Mitchell, with Kevin Durant with Kyrie Irving and with some other notable free agents. So for the time being, it's really just speculation and some reports and things like that. And again, we'll get to that. There's, there's enough meat on the Donovan Mitchell uh, topic bone, if you will, to talk about this week. There's enough, you know, in that uh, conversation to discuss. So we can talk about that. We'll get to that in a second, but I just want to thank you again for, having the conversation about Brittany Griner and about the passing of Bill Russell and also Vin Scully. So really appreciate that. I'm glad you all enjoyed that podcast last week. And we move to the news of the week this week. We start with Bill Russell again, and it's it's um, it's news that, you know, again, his passing still um, is hitting everyone in the sports world and, and in the world in general very hard. But the NBA announced that Bill Russell's number six jersey is going to be retired throughout the league, much like Jackie Robinson's jersey 
is retired throughout all of baseball. Um, so no one will be able to wear the number six ever again in the NBA. And, and I think it really is a tremendous honor, one that I think only Bill Russell really warrants. I can't think of anybody else in the history of the NBA um, that has made the same impact on and off the court that would warrant it more than Bill Russell. I really think that, um, you know, again, I think you could throw Michael Jordan from a basketball perspective and impact on the game into the conversation. But when you talk about impact on society, everyone around the world knows who Michael Jordan is, but impact on society, hard not to, to, to put Bill Russell ahead there. I think you have to do it. And, I think it's a tremendous um, tremendous gesture that the NBA has done here and I think it has to, it had I think it had to be done when you look back on what Bill Russell meant to the NBA and what he's meant to the really the, the sports society and society in general and it, it really is something that we can now look back on as just an incredible life and an incredible honor just after his passing so just kind of bringing last episode full circle a little bit just wanted to share that info with you since we talked about him a lot on last week's podcast okay now let's dive into the donovan mitchell stuff and there's a lot happening as far as speculation, not a lot happening as far as actual trade talks. It seems like the last few weeks, um, especially with the Knicks, the the trade talks have kind of stalled between New York and Utah because Utah is shopping around. They are trying to see who else is willing to come to the table and who else has got the the picks, the assets to give to Utah in a potential Donovan Mitchell trade. Now, we've been saying for a while that the Knicks have the most picks to offer. They do among teams that are interested in Donovan Mitchell. And I actually just found this out earlier this week. Technically, technically, the Knicks don't have the most amount of picks available to give to the Utah Jazz. Apparently, and I I actually didn't realize this, again, until probably Monday when when I read an article about it, Oklahoma City actually has more picks than the Knicks do that they are able to trade. The Knicks, I think, have 13 first round picks. Sorry, 13 picks. Nine first-round picks. Something around there is what the Knicks have available. Oklahoma City actually has 15 first-round picks between now and 2029. And they have 13 second-round picks. Which I did not realize. So, if OKC... And this is a big if. which I like. It seems like Sam Pressy's not going to get into the sweepstakes here. He feels from reports, from rumors, that the Thunder are going in a different direction. They're not in a win-now mentality. Adding Donovan Mitchell doesn't really change their plan. I think they would want to stand 
pat and move forward with what they have and do what Sam Presti likes to do, the GM of the Thunder, and that's build through the draft like he's done multiple times in the past. So the biggest thing here with OKC is, yes, they have the capital, if you will, to rival the Knicks in a trade. However, it doesn't seem like OKC wants to get into this sweepstakes. So once again, it goes back to, well, who's willing to get into the sweepstakes, right? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Multiple articles have been writing about that over the last few days. Fred Katz of The Athletic has reported the Knicks, quote, no, no one is coming close to them, end quote, when it comes to assets and what they're willing to give to Utah to get Donovan Mitchell. Um, There are teams that are going to come close to it. And there are certainly teams that are in a better spot than the Knicks that want in on this. And one of them most notably is the Miami Heat. Now, Shams of The Athletic reported earlier this week that there were six teams interested in acquiring Donovan Mitchell. And the Miami Heat were the most notable on the list. And the thing is, Miami is, a you could argue, a piece away from being an NBA championship caliber, consistent NBA championship caliber team. The one little thing that I do want to mention, however, is the fit with Donovan Mitchell going to Miami. That would be my biggest hang-up if I'm the Heat. Yes, Donovan Mitchell makes your team arguably better on paper. And and listen, this is the other thing too. Eric Spolstra is a tremendous coach. One of the best in the league. I don't think there's really a debate about that anymore. And I can't remember the last time there really was one. We, we might have to go back to like the the early days of the Miami Big Three with LeBron, Wade, and Bosh to actually have that be a discussion. So it's one of those things where, I, I, I mean, it, it, it's, here's the thing. It's interesting because Donovan Mitchell... When he comes in, you could say, look at what they have. Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, depending on who they give up, Tyler Hero and Donovan Mitchell, and you have those other guys there. But also the other thing is too, um, the other thing along these same lines is that Donovan Mitchell and Jimmy Butler are players that I, I feel like would counteract what they do on the court. They don't really mesh together, I feel like. That's kind of... That that came to mind when I was looking through this the other day. I kind of felt... Does Jimmy Butler mesh with Donovan Mitchell? Like, I, I just don't know if that's the right fit with those two guys together. And, I, and the reason I'm pausing a little bit is because there is a world where it works, right? There's a world where 
Donovan Mitchell plays the two, Jimmy Butler plays the three, and they figure it out. But they have very similar game. They play in similar ways. Is is giving up a lot of young talent and potentially picks for Miami to get another Jimmy Butler. Because, I mean, who's better, right? Donovan Mitchell, Jimmy Butler. I think there's a debate to be had there. But I feel like they're similar, especially on the offensive end of the floor. The way they score the ball is very similar in a lot of ways. And I think Jimmy Butler is a superior defensive player but offensively, where Miami, you know, again, you could argue that's where they need the boost is on the offensive end of the floor. Does Donovan Mitchell give you that for what you might have to give up? I don't know. I don't know. It's that, They're the team that when you look at who could be interested, because the other thing too is Miami, last time I checked, still potentially wants Kevin Durant <laughs> as well. And we could touch a little bit on on Kevin Durant uh, later on in the show. There is a little bit to to talk about there. But I I just remember thinking, well, Kevin Durant and Jimmy Butler make a little bit more sense because they score the ball in different ways. But, and it's Kevin Durant. I mean, there's, you know, anyone would take him. But I do feel like when it's Donovan Mitchell, and, and again, this is not a knock on Donovan Mitchell. I think it's more of a, just a fit thing. Where would you play him? With Jimmy Butler on the floor. Like one would have to sacrifice quite a bit. And I would assume that would be Donovan Mitchell. Because you're going to join Jimmy Butler's team. It's his group. He's taken that team to the finals in 2020. And if he had made the three-pointer at the end of Game 7 last year... Would have taken them back to another finals. So it really is a an interesting thought. But every team that's come up in these you know discussions is basically a team that just doesn't have what the Knicks are capable of giving. That's really what the rumors are and articles are indicating this week. You know? Because again... Do the Heat have a lot to give up? They they could give up quite a bit. They they do have Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and some pretty good options as far as picks. But the Knicks have so many first rounders, and that's what the Jazz want. That that's the trump card here. The Jazz want as many first round picks as possible. The Knicks have the most of teams that are interested. Now, Shams did say earlier this week that sources have told him that the Jazz and the Knicks, their their trade talks around Donovan Mitchell have stalled out. They have not been talking. That tells me that the Jazz want to up the price. They want to get as much out of the Knicks as possible. So... And I and I beg your pardon. The uh, the original quote there from Shams about the, the the stalled talks actually happened at the end of July. So it's been two weeks. It's been two weeks that the trade talks have kind of held, and 
the the deal basically is from what I'm reading into it is Utah as we said they would <laughs> 2 weeks ago are trying to up the price they're trying to get the Knicks to look around and say well someone else is coming in they're going to they're going to ask for they're going to offer more and they're and we're thinking about doing it and then the Knicks will be like no 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 we'll, we'll throw in more picks so it's it's an interesting one but I, I do feel like that at this point, right? At this point in the game, I think the Knicks just need to, you know, don't panic. They will get a call back from the Jazz, I think, at some point. You know, don't don't double text at 3 a.m. and say, well, actually, wait, we will throw in two more first-round picks. Just chill out. You're in a winning position. I mean, I mean any, anyone out there, right, that has had to follow up with an email or a text, whether it's been with a friend or, a, you know, a relationship, a, a job, you know, it, just a quick little, you know, an email, a text, whatever it has to be, hey, just checking in, you know, any updates, like that's all that's required, that's all that's required here, just remind them you're interested, and then see what happens. You know, listen, I, I, I'm not trying to, you know, give you guys advice in this vein here. But I'm just saying, all that's needed here from the Knicks, when you've got the position of power in a trade talk situation, just a little nudge. Just a little, hey, just a reminder, we're still willing to give up some picks if you're still interested. That's basically what it is. You know what I mean? That's all the Knicks have to do. And and see if, if the Jazz get what they're looking for. If they get Miami to overpay for Donovan Mitchell, which they might not, by the way, because if the, if the Heat get what they want, they're going to get Kevin Durant. They're not going to get Donovan Mitchell. If, the, if Miami has the offseason they want, Kevin Durant is going to be in a Miami Heat uniform next year. That's their best case scenario. Not saying that's going to happen, because a lot would have to be done. But that's what I think. If you're Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley, if you if you tell if you ask them, hey, what's the lineup looking like opening night of the regular season uh, in a couple months' time? Kevin Durant is in that lineup, not Donovan Mitchell. So I think their th- this is their backup option. Donovan Mitchell is their backup. So that that's where it would be very interesting. The 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 other the other part of this, right, is that I, I do feel like Donovan Mitchell, not for a championship necessarily, but for the next four or five years, New York is one of the better options on the table for him. The Knicks just addressed the point guard position. There's young talent on this team. You're likely going to still have Julius Randle, who's still going to give you 20 points a night and could fit into a nice role with two other better stars on the team. And and you have a young, defensive, athletic rim runner in Mitchell Robinson. The Knicks are, are are an option that Donovan Mitchell could probably look at and say, 
this is pretty good. This is pretty good. Like, we're going to have a lot of these guys intact when I go there. There's something we could build here. Now, Miami, again, Miami's closer to a title. There's no arguments here. But for what Miami might have to give up and for what Donovan Mitchell's role would be on the team, I mean, for where he's at in his career, you could argue the Knicks are, are a better spot for what Donovan Mitchell wants to do on the basketball court. The way he likes to play, the aspirations for his career. I mean, if it's all about winning a title, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, again, by the way, doesn't have a lot of say here. It's really up to Danny Ainge and the Jazz. But you look and you and you kind of think, well, the Knicks are a pretty good spot. It's rare you can say that. But with what the Knicks have done this offseason, if they can get Donovan Mitchell, the Knicks offseason goes from again, after draft night, a D to when they signed Jalen Brunson, a B minus to getting Donovan Mitchell. And you're looking at a B plus a minus off season from the New York Knicks. I mean, I think that's pretty safe to say the grade drastically changes for the New York Knicks. If they get this Donovan Mitchell deal done and Donovan Mitchell, I think has to look and be like, if I end up going to the Knicks, it's not a bad spot to be in. There's something to work on. There's something to build forward towards. And again, having Brunson, Randall, Barrett, Robinson, and Mitchell in the same location could lead to another free agent looking at it and thinking, oh, well, actually, this could be the chance to go and try and win something. And that has to be the main goal for Leon Rose. If we get Donovan Mitchell, who could come next is part of that discussion. So that's going to be interesting moving forward. But again, if you're the Knicks, just a little just a little reminder email to Danny Ainge. Hey, Danny, it's Leon. Hope you're doing well. Hope the offseason is filled with umbrella drinks and suntans just letting you know that we're still interested yours in hoops leon rose we'll take a break (laughs) when we come back we'll talk lynn sanity a little bit and why it's still being discussed a decade almost a decade later and the ultimatum that kevin durant has given the brooklyn nets all of that and more is next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Second half of the show. Let's dive back in. I, I kind of want to save the KD stuff for later to wrap the show up with. Um... Lynn Sanity came back up again uh, this week and it actually, I had articles pop up on my feed as I was prepping for the show. Because <laughs> again, we, re- we record on the Thursday, post on the Friday and I, I, think, I think Jeremy Lynn did an interview with Sky Sports and for those that don't know Sky Sports, that is basically the, the ESPN of, of Great Britain. 
basically. It's the UK um, ESPN. Sky Sports is the Premier League partner. They, they do all the Premier League games in the UK and they do cricket, they do darts, they do a bunch of a bunch of sports stuff. So I think they actually do do a little bit of, I think they have some rights to MLS, NBA, I'm not sure, but they do some American sports as well. But the UK's big sports network if you will, entity is Sky Sports. So Jeremy Lin was interviewed by Stuart Hodge of Sky Sports, and it was a general interview. And he was asked about Lin Sanity. And the 10-year anniversary of Lin Sanity is coming up. It's it's I think it's February 5th is the 10-year anniversary. Actually, no, wait. I'm sorry. Lin Sanity happened in... Lin Sanity happened in 2011-2012. So actually, last year was the 10-year anniversary. So it's the 11-year anniversary of Lin Sanity that is coming up. And it's still being talked about. It's still being talked about. Um, and I just found... The reason I'm bringing this up on the show is I found the quote that he gave uh, really interesting about it. And we're 10-plus years past it. It's still being talked about. I, I'm surprised there hasn't been a 30 for 30 done on it. I think there was a, a documentary done on it like the year after it happened, which I thought was kind of nuts. He was still an NBA player at the time. I think in 2013, there was a Lin Sanity doc that came out. But I'm really the, the one that everyone's going to want to watch is the 30 for 30. Just please don't make it 10 parts. We, we don't need a game per episode for the doc please we don't need that i think lynn sanity lasted for 13 days we don't need a, a part thir- a 13 part series on lynn sanity please for, for heaven's sake so by the way i think like people call it the lynn sanity era that's got to be the shortest era in sports history of any note 13 days it lasted like it didn't even last two weeks lynn sanity and, are, and people are still talking about it. It's nuts. I can't believe that. Really quick, before I read the quote, I just want to give... I, I don't know if I've ever talked about it at length on the show, but I think... I, I believe I was in high school when Lynn Sanity happened. And as a Nick fan, that's all we had to talk about at the time. The Knicks had not been to the playoffs. The 2012-2013 season had not happened yet. 2011-2012 was just another bad Knicks season. Like, nothing was going well in the early stages of that season. And if I remember correctly, I think the Knicks were like seven games under 500 when they called up Jeremy Lin, something like that. I think it was, I think they were, do I have, let me see if I have, if I have the number here. Yeah, they were eight and 15. They were eight and 15 when Jeremy Lin was called up from the D-League. And they just kind of threw him into a game against the, the Nets. They just they just were kind of like, well, someone's got to play well. We're just going to throw this kid out there. It, it, was, it didn't feel planned at all at the time. It was really just a flyer. And he scored 25 points against the Nets that night on February 4th. And they won the game and... That led to Jeremy Lin scoring 20 or more points in six straight games. 
and in nine games during a 10-game stretch. The big one that everyone remembers was Kobe was Kobe Bryant of the Lakers at the time. By the way, this is like post-Kobe's fifth ring. Like The Lakers weren't great that year. I think it should be mentioned. I think they were only like a few games over 500 at this point in the season. They weren't really a, that big of a threat or as big of a threat in the West as they had been the year prior. So the the Kobe the Kobe Pau Gasol Lakers are kind of fading a little bit at this point and Kobe Bryant is asked before the game, "Hey, there's this kid who's playing kind of well for um for the Knicks, Jeremy Lin. What are your thoughts?" And Kobe basically said, I'm paraphrasing, "Never heard of him." Was basically Kobe's response. Now, Kobe's one of the kings of MSG during his time. Like, he's put up huge games at the Garden, Michael Jordan-esque numbers at MSG. It's one of the few times I think Kobe ever left MSG and, and felt, you know, punked to a certain extent. Because Jeremy Lin drops 38 on the Lakers that night. And at the end of February, the Knicks were 18-18. and 18. They entered the month at eight and fifteen. They finished it eighteen and eighteen. That's how good Jeremy Lin was during that month. During the stretch, it was a thirteen game run. Lin averaged twenty two point three points per game, nine assists. It was really, really good. Now, to his credit. Jeremy Lin had a pretty good finish to the season. He averaged 14.6 points per game, six assists, just over six assists per game in 35 games. Pretty good. However, at the end of the season, he left the Knicks. That was it. And he went and signed a huge contract with the Houston Rockets, kind of following in the Yao Ming footsteps, if you will. And Jeremy Lin's career was never the same. After that, that was it. He never really found the same magic again. He he had good games, some good some good numbers. I think he averaged um, in his career like eleven point six points per game and somewhere around four and a half assists in his entire career. But he never got to those heights again. And I think there's been multiple like. And again, these net worth things aren't always accurate. But Jeremy Lin built up a great NBA fortune, like $35, $40 million is his current net worth, something like that. So again, those numbers are not as well known. So don't, you know, that's a ballpark estimate. But regardless, like it's one of those things where it works out for Jeremy Lin in the end, but I think he gets judged so much for just 13 days. And how he could never match it again. And I think that it's a little bit of a shame just for context. Again, like it, it, that was the only two week stretch for a good chunk of my time in high school where it was, you were kind of proud to be a Nick fan. The Knicks were, were relevant for a little while. Then they go to the playoffs next year, which I guess that would have been my senior year of high school. And they make a run and they and obviously they lose to the Pacers in six games. And the Knicks had not been back until two years ago when they lost to Atlanta. So 
Jeremy Lin, I, maybe this is why it's talked about. The Knicks are a high-profile team still in the NBA, even when they stink. And it's one of the top three best things that's happened to the Knicks still in the last 10 years. Still. Still one of the top three things that's happened to the Knicks. Beating the Celtics in the playoffs probably is number one. The day the Knicks got mellow is number two. And then it's Lynn Sanity. Like, I, I, I can't think of anything else. So it is kind of remarkable that it's still being talked about. Let me read you the quote. This is, again, Jeremy Lynn talking to Stuart Hodge of Sky Sports about the Lynn Sanity era and, its, and his, the impact on his personal life. He said, quote, I think for me as a person, it's been an evolution from trying to run away from it because I felt like I didn't like a lot of the sides, side effects of Lynn Sanity. Some family issues that it caused, all the privacy that was taken away from me overnight, and the paparazzi chasing down me and my family and my friends. Just a lot of scary things that had happened. There were also just the expectations of the world, almost turning me into some type of superhero. I became this phenomenon, and I felt like I lost my humanity in the middle of it. End quote. Fascinating perspective from Jeremy Lin. I found that quote to be somebody who has had a lot of thought about how this has impacted his life. And I felt like that was a tremendous response. And it was part of the reason why I wanted to share it with you. Really interesting perspective. Because New York Knicks fans were dying for something like this at the time. Absolutely craving it. Another bad start, disappointing start to the season at the time. Anything to make us want to watch the Knicks. And Lynn, Lynn Sanity, Jeremy Lynn, made that happen overnight. Made the Knicks watchable. And they were watchable probably for the rest of the season. Like, Jeremy Lynn had the buzzer beater in Toronto. He had the 38-point game against the Lakers and Kobe at the Garden the game against the Nets, the game against Dallas. Like there was there was multiple games during that run where you were just like, what the hell is going on? Michael Jordan's playing for the Knicks. Like it was one of those kind of experiences. Like how, how do all of a sudden, how has a G League call-up become the best NBA player overnight? It was one of those kind of things. And... It was a tremendous two-week stretch. And to be fair, like like I just mentioned, Jeremy Lin carried that for a good stretch of the season. And then the Knicks just didn't do anything at the end. They missed the playoffs. They weren't good enough. They dealt with injuries all year. They missed the playoffs, and then Jeremy Lin left during the offseason. It was a hot-button debate during the, that offseason. Should the Knicks shell out the money required to keep him? And the Knicks opted against it. Houston gave him the offer he wanted and he took it fair play and again he wasn't terrible at all by any stretch he was good throughout the rest of his NBA career just wasn't the same as it was during that that 13 day stretch in February that was that was our 13 game stretch I should say or no it was a yeah two week two almost a two week stretch two week stretch days not games I mean that, that was it that was the deal. So it, it was fascinating. 
at the time. And looking back on it was a very interesting trip. I must say, uh, down memory lane. It was, it was very interesting to, I, I watched a few of the highlights before I came on as well. It was, it was a weird time. It was a weird time. Uh, for me in general, high school is always a weird time. But the point, the point is, as a Nick fan, it was a weird time because in the end, it really didn't mean anything. Looking back on it, it was great. It really was. There was hope, you know, and I think that's all Knicks fans wanted. But in the end, it didn't really mean anything in the grand scheme. And that's kind of where the whole Jeremy Lin's thoughts on him being a superhero and paparazzi and stuff like that. It's very interesting. It's very interesting to look at that and think about it in the grand scheme. No, no question about that. Uh, let me know your thoughts on, on everything. I'd love to hear your Linsanity stories from back in, in 2012. And, uh, I mean, that was a time where people thought Nostradamus was going to predict the end of the world, all this crazy stuff. But, um, yeah, wild times, very interesting time to be a Nick fan. Curious your thoughts on that time in Nick's history. Before we go, Kevin Durant and the ultimatum to the Nets owner and the front office. Uh, I have the article here from Shams, again, of The Athletic. This happened on, on the 8th of August, which I think was Monday, uh, right to kick off the week. The headline, in a meeting with the Nets ownership... Kevin Durant reiterated his trade request and informed Nets ownership to choose between Kevin Durant and general manager Sean Marks and Steve Nash as a pair, sources say. So the ultimatum that Kevin Durant has given the Nets earlier this week is essentially either get me the hell out of here or fire everybody else. Like that's what Kevin Durant told Nets ownership this week. Mind-boggling stuff. I mean, again, for those that don't know, Kevin Durant obviously has a lot of power in the Nets organization. They have given him everything that he's asked for, so he's going to keep asking for more stuff. Kyrie's in a similar boat. So it's one of those things where the Nets are probably regretting a lot of things right now as they're currently sitting down and and talking things over this week. I think if you're Brooklyn, you almost have to trade him now. You all, it's it's like it's near where the Kyrie Irving situation is. The only difference is Kevin Durant, as we've talked about, much more difficult to trade because he has four years left on his contract. Kyrie, I think, has one or two years left. Like it's much easier. But KD is one of those players where teams will want him, but will they want his contract? That's the tough part. And, you know, again, Golden State's been out there. Miami's been out there. Others' teams have been out there. Can Brooklyn get a deal done? That, that really is the question right now. And what I find fascinating about it is imagine being in that meeting. And your star player who at one point was coming to your team to, to be the savior and to finally get that franchise a championship saying, ah, actually, with four years left on my contract, uh, either get me out of here, trade me right now, or get rid of everybody that you brought in. Get rid of the GM, get rid of the coach, 
even though I asked, I basically asked you for this coach, get him out of here. That you want me to stay? Fire everybody else. Wild stuff. It really is crazy. Like there could be a scenario where Kevin Durant like just doesn't play. He just says, "You know what? I don't want to do this. If you can't trade me, I'm not going to play for who you have in charge, so just don't play me." Like he it's gotten to that point. I know he loves basketball, but like these are the ultimatums of a man that just wants what he wants and he doesn't want to be there. Like, could the Nets call his bluff? I mean, they could, but I don't know if he's going to be committed to the team. This is the second time he's asked for a trade and this time he's given you an ultimatum, either me or them, pick. But also trade me, by the way. <laughs> that's the other, that's the funny part. Like, hey, it's me or them, but also Pick them and trade me, please. <laughs> like, that's that's the weird part about the ultimatum. Like, it's an ultimatum, but also, like, preferably trade me, please. <laughs> like, it's very, it's very odd. It's very, very weird. But that, that's where Brooklyn stands. I mean, what a crazy, nutso, potentially catastrophic offseason that is still to come for the Brooklyn Nets. Crazy crazy stuff and like we said earlier it's just about when the shoe is going to drop when when the the nets are going to go through with this or not and that's going to shape a lot of what's to come during this offseason make no mistake about that that's where we'll leave it and that will do it for this week's episode of the shock shock Knicks podcast thank you all so much as always for listening let me know what you think about the latest with Donovan Mitchell, with Kevin Durant. Share some Linsanity stories, as always, at SJ7 on Twitter or postingandtoasting.com. Shock Shock Knicks, Shock Shock Knicks podcast in the comments below. Thank you all so much, as always, for listening. You are all the best. Have a great week, and I will see you all next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast and on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast network.